When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Deal or No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back here. We got another Traders Feedback Show here after episode number five. And it's a good one here today with our chief traders correspondent, Mr. Puya Samichilli. Puya, how are you? I'm good, Rob. Always a delight to get to talk to you. And now we're doubling up with the feedback oh, show. We're tripling up right now because in addition to a feedback show here today, we're also going to have an exit interview and we are going to be speaking with Janelle as well on Monday. So make sure you are ready for that. You can watch that on our YouTube channel or make sure you subscribe. Rob is website.com slash subscribe for all of our podcast links, of course, including our link to our traders podcast feed, which is also available. You can definitely find that at robhasawebsite.com slash subscribe. All right. Also, this is a big feedback show because we're going to answer your questions, but we're also going to have a guest here with us as a survivor. Great. A challenge. Great is going to be here with us to talk some traders. Michelle Fitzgerald is going to join us in a little bit. So very exciting show, Puya. Oh, yeah. We're going to listen. We have been marinating on this episode for a couple of days now. We're going to have thoughts. Can't wait to hear what Michelle's thoughts are. And then can't wait to get some answers from uh, Janelle. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. Fun day. OK. And so if you have traders feedback questions after this next episode, which will be back together live to watch on Thursday, you can always send them in to Rob website.com slash traders feedback. All right. Puya, we talked traders Thursday night, had the weekend to marinate on things a little bit. Uh, has any of your opinions evolved over the last couple of days? I don't really think they have. You know, I feel like ultimately the cliffhanger is really the one place where I'm trying to figure out how and what the outcome of that could look like with regards to who do they choose to murder and how that's going to the aftermath of that is going to be. But other than that, I think I hold firm most of the thoughts I had, but we're going to dive into them a little deeper today. Okay, let's dive into a couple things. And it's been just a lot of talk about Dan, discourse about Dan on social media. I feel like if you go on the app formerly known as Twitter, I feel like that the general consensus is Dan is dead man walking. Yeah, which I feel like, obviously, and we talked about this on the podcast on Thursday, the preview for the next episode that is at the end of this episode, really, do, if you pause it and you see the roundtable, it looks like no one's gone, which means that, yep, Dan did take the shot at Bergie, and now Dan being one of the three people that Pilot Pete had given out that information to, the lie about him having the shield, which would have been him, Parv, and CT, are going to be under the line of fire with Dan obviously being the most caught out, potentially being the one that gets called out. Is it possible that has anybody gone back and made sure that we're not just looking at the same round? I guess just Janelle wouldn't be there, right? Uh, and uh, Janelle wouldn't be there, which she isn't in that photo. And Kate is. So okay. it's not like an older or anything like that. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so much for that. But let's take a question. And why don't we start with... Thomas Assad, who has a question, do you think that Dan is intentionally going to take a shot who might have a shield only to put a name out there, throw poverty under the bus, get a fellow traitor banished, and then tell the rest of the house, when I take shots, I don't miss? Listen, it's entirely possible. I've seen this tick a lot, Rob. I've gotten this in my mentions quite a bit of, oh, no, he's absolutely doing this to frame somebody. Dan's playing 3D chess, everybody. Watch. Right. Now, you and I spoke about this a little bit on Thursday where we talked about his only move remaining at this point is to feed them a traitor. That is absolutely it. Now, the question for me, Rob, is 
in the event that he does throw a parv under the bus, gets a fellow trader banished, do I think he in, he disappears from the radar? I really don't. I feel mm-hmm. like one thing that is not discussed a lot is that as a trader, getting other traders out obviously is a good way to look like a good detective, but you also have to give something other names along the way because otherwise, to me, to me, it looks like you only know for certain because you are a trader, which is not great. And the other thing we have to think about is him intentionally taking the shot on someone who might have a shield. He might miss. Like the person might not have the shield and he might take someone else out. I just don't know how much calculation there would have been here. Yeah. I'm not a subscriber to that Dan is playing the 3D chess because mm. I think that based off of what we have seen from Dan and, you know, over, you know, what, how many years of watching Dan on TV? Was it what, 2009 when he was on? So, mm-hmm. what, like 15 years of watching Dan on TV? That Dan's MO, and while Dan does pull out a rabbit out of his hat, uh, much like a magician, he's he's a little bit like the magician that tells you, like tells the audience, like this is what my trick is going to be before he does the trick. So if Dan is about to do something big, he's going to tell us the audience, like, hold on, everybody, I've got, I've wait till you see what I have up my sleeve today. I've got a four part plan that I'm about to pull off. And step one, he takes the audience in of mm-hmm. hey. Watch what I'm about to do, whether it's a funeral, a renomination roulette, or a, probably a bunch of other stuff. Dan loves to tell everybody he calls his shot when he's about to do something wild like this. So I do not get the sense that this is, you know, an end around that he is setting up here, that we are going to be dazzled. Unless I guess the only other option is that, like, if the producers of the show said, hey, this is not that show. We're going to leave all that on the cutting room floor. But why? Right. I feel like if you're if you're given gold, you're going to use it no matter what. I really do think that. Now, obviously, we could open up the episode with a huge confessional laying out the strategy of what's going on here. That's definitely possible. Um, but to me, that feels like because just because Dan is capable of doing it doesn't mean I think that he did it intentionally. Mm-hmm. I think he he's a, someone who we've seen be able to pivot from a bad situation. And that's kind of where I'm at is if this culminates in a I'm throwing a parver or a Phaedra under the bus to get them out. To me, it feels like, all right, this shielding didn't work quickly. What do I do instead? All right, this is the plan now. I'm going to do this now. I don't think it was a I'm doing this all ahead of time only to see where it goes. OK, all right. Let's stick with Dan and bring in a question from Let's. Fanny Anderson. Why doesn't Dan banish Peter instead of Bergy? I see this as a low risk win-win for Dan. If Peter were to have a shield, Dan can say, I knew you had the shield. I can't be a traitor because I wouldn't have tried to banish you. And if Peter were not to have the shield, Dan can banish him and remove a skeptic and again claim it wasn't him because he was under the impression that Peter had a shield. If Dan is already willing to banish Bergy and risk getting heat for banishing someone who is against him, it seems like that would be less risky overall than to get rid of Peter, uh, who is less vocal against him and who has uh, who he has been told has a shield. It seems like that Dan might trust Peter too much and is all about uh, is about to fall into his trap, praying that he doesn't bring Parv down with him. This, for me, is the big question mark, because I agree with this take. I my my number one thing is probably don't take the risk at the people with the shield. Take a shot from someone inside the house, someone like John, who, yeah, might not have as much agency or influence, but firmly voted against you and will probably still vote against you unless you change his mind somehow going for Peter is a great double bluff because if it's true, you kind of are exonerated. He might have to be forced to look elsewhere of like, well, I knew you had the shield. So if it was me, well, why would I take the shot at you? That makes no sense. The other side of that coin is yeah. In the event that Peter's lying, he goes silently into the night and you don't have to, he can't share this. I told people who had it and these are my suspects. He's gone now. Obviously, he's given that information up to the boys, which we saw last week, uh, last episode. But look at that lineup of boys and tell me which one is going to run that roost, right? I think Berkey's probably the the one that I did is the biggest candidate. Yeah. But 
Pete, I feel like, has been accumulating quite a bit of influence. And if he felt feels good about you, you'd be in a good spot. And obviously, if he talked the shot, we know Peter dies. Um, yeah. But in the event that he was lying, I think Peter would have probably maybe been reverse marinated here. Puya, can we talk a little bit about how Pilot Pete has really emerged as a darling of social media? The Traders fans are really getting obsessed with Pilot Pete. Yeah, you know, he comes from a show where they give each other roses. And here, a lot of people are giving him his flowers. Um, and it's because I think, listen, Rob, when the expectations on the floor, I don't think a lot of people came in thinking Pete's going to be making some maneuvers like this. I feel like he's taking he, the game Those well. are expert pilot maneuvers, Puya. He's they pulling are. the nose he, way up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The nose dive, you lift it last second. Love that kind of stuff. And I feel like he's doing a good job here. I think he's ingratiated himself well within the castle and by the looks of it outside. And I think the number one thing is a lot of people are looking at Pete and thinking, wow, I didn't think you'd have it in you to play this game, let alone marinate Dan Geesling? Question mark. I feel like that's a big deal for a lot of people. Mm-hmm that uh, he may have hoodwinked someone that a lot of people tout as one of the greatest to ever do it. Okay. All right. We'll see. And we'll see if this uh, pilot Pete love can last more than a week. Will it just be a fling for social media and pilot Pete? What happens when pilot Pete's targeting other favorites, right? Like the, when does that turn around? Cause if Dan comes into this episode and throws yeah. Parv under the bus and he's running it after Parv, then what happens? You know, Ari, Last season, mm-hmm. had a moment or two. He did? He did. I saw a list one time. He was in a top three list of greatest white men ever. Who else was on the list? I don't recall. Um, <laughs> but he was on the yes. list. People were loving Ari. They said, oh, this is a true friend. Helping Sari. Uh, it is changed. It was a fling. Yeah, is he on like the bottom three? Like he's definitely <laughs> fallen off. <laughs> I just saw a video where Jared and Sari and Izzy were like clowning on him. Oh, ah, I need to watch this now, Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, but I don't know. Like, uh, let's see if it lasts with Pilot Pete, if he can keep it going. Stay in the air. All right. Then let's take a question from Kelly L., our great friend, wants to know, do you think Sandra suspects that Dan is a traitor? Do you think that she would have written Dan's name down had Janelle not fired her shot at Sandra first? I think it's a possibility. And I think I, I mean, I'm in the camp of, I do think that Janelle naming too many, one too many people does cause those people to vote her. Um, now does Dan, Sandra suspect Dan as a traitor? I don't know. Um, but obviously we've talked about optimal strategy for the traders as faithful is you find you would need at least one trader that you know, and you need to keep them in. So, for example, if Sandra sus- suspects both Dan and Parv, one of them is expendable to her. It's just a matter of which one. And if Dan's name was coming to the forefront here, I could see her voting there. Because if she thinks that Dan is a traitor, and if she thinks that the votes are a lost cause, that Dan's going out, I don't think it behooves her to not vote with the majority mm-hmm. there to be a part of the We Caught a Traitor crew. Because uh, that could end up looking bad for her. But I don't know. What what have you felt like, Rob? Because I feel like we've not seen enough of Sandra talking about Dan for me to know. No, I don't here. really know what Sandra thinks about Dan. I feel like that Dan is typically like not the kind of guy that she likes to work with. I feel like she doesn't really like the schemer. I feel like that she's very attached to CT. And I feel like that once Janelle was sort of like uh, she, th- you know, she's uh, throwing out um you know, CT is a possibility. So Sandra's name, like, I think it's over. I think that Sandra had really turned against Janelle too at that point. So I don't think that Sandra is super suspicious of Dan. Yeah, I don't see it right now because again, I feel like they have sound bites of almost everybody talking about Dan, but we've not really seen it from Sandra. And also Sandra was part of the little group that knew Janelle was coming after Dan. And I feel like, Sandro kind of felt the type of way about that potentially as well. Like, I thought we were working together kind of ish. So I don't see it. I don't think so. Um, and 
I feel like now she's also being accused of being a traitor with Dan. Dan mm-hmm. could definitely pull out the arsenal. Can you believe she thought we were traitors together? What a mess. <laughs> okay. How about uh, this question of uh, Diana wants to know, uh, I assume both remaining traders have to agree, but if Dan goes out next, who are the traders going to recruit? Um, can you repeat that? Who would the traders recruit if Dan goes out next? I mean, it's interesting because you, we, and we talked about this a little bit on Thursday show, Rob, but as a trader, when you get the chance to recruit, there's a couple things you got to take into consideration and then decide which one of those things matters more. So if you're Phaedra and Parv, do you think the two of you will work well together? And are you riding with the duo that you are? Because if so, pick someone who's already seeming suspicious so you can just push out scapegoat. You do a scapegoat uh, recruitment. Now, can you get a second recruitment? Do the traders ever recruit uh, like multiple times in a season? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it happens. Um, we And obviously it can happen where you go from three to two, you recruit, then go back to two, then recruit. You can also have it, I think, where you go down. If you go down to one, I think you can recruit two nights in a row type situation, which I don't believe. I don't remember if it happened. But no, multiple recruitments are entirely possible. Yes. Okay. So do you have a name in mind? And, and do you have to get into the meta game of like, okay, well, they they got a man. Do we bring in like another guy for the traders? Or then is it that they are probably going to be switching to a woman? That part. I think typically the pendulum will switch once the meta is involved where we got a man. And then now look, we're down to like such little men. And if you are doing the pilot Pete logic of, okay, well, I don't think it's any of those four dude bros. And I really don't think it's CT then it's not really, they're not really going to be looking at men. I think you take, you bring in another woman to put up as a shield as well. So to me, bring in somebody who can be a little suspect, who people might be looking at. Someone like Kate, who right now, again, is a neutral because she just started, Mm -hmm. I think definitely will have some suspicions on her moving forward. And also for me personally, selfishly, fun TV. So I'd be very okay with Kate being brought in. But also, for example, I wouldn't, I don't think Sheree is a good pick for uh, Phaedra. Yeah. I think Sheree is a faithful that's going to ride with her. Just keep her on the outskirts right now because your alternative plan is either you split the money with her at the end or you vote her out, which you I don't think you want to do either of those things. Keep her as a faithful. I think bring in a scapegoat. That's the move. MJ and- is another decent one to bring in as well because I think some people have been a little bit iffy on MJ. So that could be a good shout as well. I think it would be super fun to get Kate as a trader. Finally. Same. And, you know, we had the confessional from Kate saying, I was kind of hoping I would be traitor this time around. Rob, do you want to hear my conspiracy theory? What is it? If a traitor had been banished at this point in the game, Kate would have 100% been given the traitor role. Hmm. 100%. But no one got banished yet from the traitor's side. So, Okay. All right. Let's talk about Kate. Because mm-hmm. John Manson has a question. What's the right strategy for the traitors in terms of utilizing Kate? easy banishment or some point down the line or uh should that can you make a case that she came in as a traitor you can definitely make a case that she came in as a traitor that's definitely possible for me it depends after the first day like now they're gonna come back from this uh nighttime someone's gonna get murdered Mm -hmm. if i'm dan if i'm phaedra if i'm parv i'm testing the waters with kate today to see Do we gel? Does she seem like she believes me? Does she seem like she'd work with me? Because if she does, I think you just keep your friendship with her. And if you know Kate, she'll have a beef or two along the way with somebody. Or she might get accused and and start a fire with it. So you just, I think you let her be. Um, I think obviously if you want to do the pivot to vote her out, you can bring up that she could be a traitor coming in. And now there's an extra traitor. But I think it just, again, it really depends on what your relationship is going to be with Kate moving forward. She's just such a chaotic element. I don't know if you necessarily want her in the traders, but I feel like that she's going to create so much chaos. I feel like that mm-hmm. if I was a trader, I think I'd want to be like using Kate as a weapon of like, I just feel like she's so easily uh, able to get wound up. And you could sort of like, just like, she's like a wind up toy and you just point her in a direction and she's going to be like a dog with a bone of like, uh, like, like once she gets in it with somebody, Rachel and, and for like this season, it's probably Kevin and it didn't take much. And you just imagine that she's going to be like leading the charge. 
Kevin's a traitor. I don't like him. And mm-hmm. she's going to just like uh, stay on that drumbeat. And if you're like a, a traitor, and especially like Dan, somebody who like, doesn't want to talk a lot, like this is like a dream come true to have Kate there. Yeah. I mean, if you're someone who's more quiet in these games, having other people be loud and as long as they're wrong and not looking at you, you don't mind. Let them let them fight. Let mm-hmm. them argue. So I think you keep her. I really do think you keep her unless she wakes up today and says, yeah, you know, Dan seemed a little suspect to me after last night. And if you're down, you're like, I want no part of this. Get rid of her. We got to figure out how to do that. But. Yeah. Um, but excited to have Kate here to see uh, what happens next. OK. Yes. All right. Emily has a question. Wants to know, do you think that Peter targeting Parvati with the lie about the shield means that there's some truth to Phaedra's everybody thinks you're an effing traitor comment and that there has been more widespread widespread suspicion of Parvati than we're being shown? At the, very, the one thing it absolutely confirms is that Pilot Pete is looking at uh, Parv as a traitor. Definitely. Now, what I will say, Rob, is I did catch a little snippet of Janelle... Uh, speaking about some of the stuff that we didn't see at the round table, which I can bring here to Please. maybe shed some light. So <clears throat> the one thing I said that I didn't love from Janelle was she named like three people, Dan, CT, Sandra. And I thought that was too many. She named a fourth person, Rob. Yeah. She named a fourth person that the edit removed. That fourth person was Parvati. So I think there's definitely a lot more that can be seen as far as, Okay, Parvati so, could be suspect. So if you're Janelle, are mm. when they say who are the traitors? Like, is she sort of like saying like I don't think all of these people are the traitors, but I know I'm not a traitor, and if that it's definitely going to be. Think about it, you idiots. There's definitely going to be a survivor, big brother, or at least a challenge person as a traitor. So. I know it's not me, so it's got to be, rather than you're a traitor, you're a traitor, you're a traitor, uh, it's got to be Parvati, Sandra, Dan, or CT. Oh, my God, which I still think is a bad call because you're. this is an alliance of sorts that you've called out for yourself, and you're throwing all of them under the bus. Um, and then the other side, and, and you know the beef, and the other side has connections to some of these people. That's never going to end well for you, but... The reason why I'm bringing this up is because apparently what happened was Dan was going at it with Janelle. They're having their like 1v1 or whatever. And then Parvati kind of defends Dan and Janelle didn't take to that well, which obviously will get more clarification uh, yeah. in our, of our own. But <clears throat> I do think that there is something to be said about that. Also, if you think about the um, when uh, the after the round table, Kate, is going to get getting offered wine by Parv and then finds out how Ekansu died. And is like, I don't want that drink from Parv. I think Parvati might be seeming in a little bad spot, which then Rob, we could, if we wanted to think about it and think, well, it'd be a grand reveal if Parv gets thrown under the bus Yeah, because they've not shown us a lot of this suspicion that we're hearing about. I also saw a clip where Janelle was talking with uh, Tamara on her podcast also, and Janelle was saying that she loved Phaedra, did not have any suspicion about Phaedra. Yes, I believe in that pod, she did mention that she had figured out Parv and Dan early. So, okay. again, we're not, we were, we've been on the money. We've thought that Phaedra's been doing the best. Okay. So. All right. Let's then... Uh, Got a question. Speaking of Janelle, okay. Paolo okay. from Edmonton said, Rob, you mentioned your favorite part of the show is when the faithful say, I'm a faithful, you idiots. Should we also have a separate part in the show where we see reactions from the banished faithful after they find out who the traitors are, similar to Big Brother when Julie reveals secrets in the house? I think that would be fun. I love this. I'm a big react content guy. I can watch people watch stuff all day long. Now, the other franchises, Rob, do 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 this. Um, Traders Canada would release a tweet video after the episodes or the day after, where they would have the the banish sit there and open a scroll with who the who the traders are. Um, I, my favorite iteration of this is right now the UK is doing a sideshow called Uncloaked. Uncloaked. Where, yeah, it's a talk show, and they bring the contestants on. They talk to them about stuff, but they have a they have footage they show of the previous cycles like banished murdered they're sitting together and they're learning all the information at the same time of who the traders are and who the who like if there was any twist in the game of who's related to who kind of thing 
and I love it. I would be so down. I think extra content is good content. And hell, I think they're already there, Rob. They have postmortem on Peacock. Yeah. Just slap on the reactions on that and make it even better. What do you think of that postmortem on Peacock? And if people don't even know that this exists, um, they have like a special on Peacock. It's a little confusing because it's called like season one episode. Like I think the one after this episode was called season one, episode three. And it's mm-hmm. Trader season two. And it was episode five. Uh, like it's a little confusing in terms of how to find the right one to watch. Yeah, it's uh, season one, episode three, because the first episode had the first three episodes. Yeah. And it's the first season, not the second season. I am not mad at it. Extra content is always good. uh, But I feel like they could be doing more with it because basically all we're getting in this. No, all we're getting is the postmortem is the people who got banished or murdered's opinions and then the traitor's commentary over top of it. I would much rather get their reactions. But the traders, they're not even like messy. Like they're just like talking about like, oh, you know, Johnny Bananas like had to do it because, you know, if he does, if you don't get him, he's going to he's a tough competitor. He's going to be somebody he's going to get shield. You got to get him. (laughs) Yeah, this uh, is reminiscent to me of uh, Rob not loving when we all had beef on the survivor draft scene. And then in the draft itself, we're like, good pick, good pick. Everyone did well. Yeah, that's right. I don't like that. I don't like that either. Because I feel like that, you know, like that that's boring. Yeah. Rob is like, listen, I made popcorn. Make it worth it. Make the popcorn matter, which I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it would be a lot more fun to watch a faithful un- re- like reveal. Oh, my God. Dan was a traitor and they're just getting mad like they're annoyed or that they missed their opportunity. I feel like that's way more entertaining for me because ultimately I would argue that. If y'all wanted postmortem to succeed so bad, you should have not let these contestants do their own thing online because they're giving us more detail than postmortem mm-hmm. would online. So if you miss postmortem, I don't think you're missing out on content because I think you've seen it on the timeline anyway. Okay. Trevor has a question for us, Puya. When is Dr. Will coming in? What are they mm-hmm. doing with him? And what's the best way to utilize uh, him as a faithful or traitor? Well, I don't think he's playing. He's not playing. Uh, yeah, that's the question heard around the world right now. Where is the man that we saw in that preview? The thing is, you will see that man when we go to a cabin in the woods because he seems to be they're going to, I think, call him the owner of this cabin. I think that's where the mission is going to be. And that's really his part. I don't know if he plays a bigger role in that mission. We'll find out. But one thing I will tell you with absolute certainty is that Dr. Will is not swapping out the stethoscope for a cloak. This ain't happening. Mm -hmm. He's not playing. He's getting an appearance fee and he's pulling up. But I also don't think we should have been privy to this information because, like I said, I think that preview that everyone saw on YouTube was supposed to remain unlisted and was not supposed to circulate, which it did. Hmm. Okay. Do you think it's happening soon? Okay, I feel like when it does, we'll see like a, they'll do like a little ooh, whose hand was that? Oh, and you'll hear in the background, oh my god, and then the episode ends, right? We didn't see that in this episode, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's this next episode. At best, we're looking at episode seven. Yeah, have the international editions like utilized like the uh, Royal Rumble aspect of just like dropping in new people? Just America. No, just the U.S. has done this so far. I mean, this was the first time we've had someone uh, pull up that was not in the beginning um, Mm -hmm. without giving anything away on other seasons. But no, this is the first time they've Royal Rumble it like this. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let me give you another question. This is from Ronald McBurger. Classic. (laughs) Who with that guy? Ronald McBurger asks us, players are catching on to the fact that all the men except Dan are faithfuls. Do you think that this consensus will carry through to the end? Are we watching the story of the the beginning of a faithful victory? Way too soon to call that shot. Um, But also, if after, if Dan is to leave and they're like, well, there's no more men that are traitors. Say goodbye to the men. They're getting Black Widowed out of here. One by one, they're going to get murdered. Not banished because they're all safe. But the minute you seem too safe to be true, you get murdered. That's the rule. So I could see them just in a line, one by one by one, going out here at the end. Unless there's a man who you think you are marinating successfully and you can keep around, a la a CT for Phaedra. 
I feel like otherwise you could be expendable for sure. So when you're saying that they're all going to get whacked, uh, now are you saying that the uh, women that are left will banish them? Or are you saying that, no. the, that the two women traitors are going to start taking them out one by one? That's the more likely outcome that I think because the the. But won't key, they get it right eventually in the vote of like, hey, we know we're good. We know it's not us. So there's only a couple people that we don't know. Well, that's the thing. If they if they're going to, well, they they could very well get it right. But the question being, if they if everyone else in the castle subscribes to, okay, now that Dan's gone, CT's good, John's good, Kevin's good, Pete's good, Berkey's good, and they're never gonna catch votes, they're gonna catch knives in the night is what's going to happen at least some of them will the wow. ones that you think could figure you out yeah catch knives in the night oh my god i know it's bad it's very, it's very dramatic <laughs> yeah okay uh pat also wants to know uh for the purposes of tv drama the producers almost always leave the other target who is considered but not murdered to be one of the last to enter breakfast. Should contestants strategize based on who's last to come to breakfast? While it isn't foolproof, and the producers uh, obviously try to obfuscate where they can, for example, Phaedra being the last pair of this episode, it seems like if you paid attention to who walks in with the last surviving groups, you may be able to sort of triangulate a trader more accurately by asking who would be considering both X and Y. I, what's funny about this is that I remember seeing an article before the season saying that they were not going to let this happen again, that they were going to make the people coming in the kitchen be a lot more uh, breakfast, a lot more random um, and not really have it be this formulaic. So far, it seems like they still are shortlisting it at the end for that dramatic effect on TV. However, I don't know how viable of a strategy that, that is, because if you are told that that's changing, if you've seen that that's going to change, you cannot operate your entire hypothesis on that as a meta read because if it's if you're right, then it's good. But if you're wrong, you're dead wrong. And now you're just accusing wrong people for no reason. So it's really not worth pulling at that thread, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's good to keep in the back of your mind to, you know, further help some of your other suspicions. But I think as a vocal read, it's bad because if you convince like four other people and again, it's wrong, you're just going to the end wrong which i don't think is a good place to be yeah i think i'm i would let myself go there but it also feels like the kind of thing that could trip you up more than like okay yes. oh this person they came in last to the breakfast obviously they're a traitor you know i feel like it's the kind of thing where yeah like maybe there's something there but like it's usually like two people that come in last i'm not sure if they're necessarily both always in the short mm -hmm. list yeah, well, could you imagine if you're looking at the okay, who's who hasn't come in yet? Okay, so it's between John Burkow and Sheree and one other person, and like Sheree's murdered, right? What are you gonna do? Go up to John and be like, John, I, I, you were on the short list to die, man. It looks like it was between you and her, so you're lucky to be here. And then John's like, what did you mean by that this morning? Do, are you a traitor? And you say you spared me. What was that attempt? And then now you're gonna get banished for you overreading and oversharing with the wrong person. I think compartmentalize that keep that to yourself kind of use it to form your own conclusions but i don't think you spread that like wildfire because i think that'll do more harm than good for you um in the long run all right puya any other big traders topics you want to cover i think we're we are talking about the core stuff that we uh we saw and we had i think we're gonna have a lot more to talk about next week but i think basically i'll leave y'all with this the tldr version of this Personally, I don't think this this was a long con plan from Dan. I think it's going to be a pivot plan. We'll see. The number two thing, I saw a lot of comments of this on the YouTube channel, so I want to clarify in case you were waiting for this answer. Janelle getting banished didn't confirm that Pete doesn't have the shield because the shield only protects you from murder at night. You can get banished and have the shield. You can absolutely get voted out with the shield. You just cannot get murdered with the shield. So Janelle going out doesn't disprove the the shield theory because I saw some people confused as to why that doesn't prove that to them. There you okay. go. Okay. Puya. All right. Let's take a break. Cool. When we come back, let's get together with Michelle Fitzgerald and talk about what she thinks about everything going on here in Traders Season 2 when we come back right after this. 
All right. So excited because look who's here with us here in the turret. Of course, uh, it is a Survivor great winner of Netflix's Survivor Co. Wrong. Also, of course, star of The Challenge, maybe future Traders alumni, Michelle Fitzgerald. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I was just saying, I, you know, I'm really happy to be on here when I'm not doing a cha- challenge exit press when yes. my life is in shambles. This is like better. I get to just think about everybody else's can, game. Yes. Yeah, way better. Have fun. Okay, um, Michelle, um, tell us a little bit about your history with the Traders. Did you watch the first season? I watched a little bit of the first season, but I have to say I'm much more invested in this one because there's so many people that I've played with. Like I've played with Parv, I've played with Sandra, Banana, CT. So like my friends are out there, you know, my friends are traitors. So I'm feeling like much more connected to this season. And I love, love to see how they play, just knowing them all mm-hmm. and having played alongside them. It's been very interesting and riveting to see them kind of navigate a new game. Yeah. What do you think of this game? I think it's wonderful. I thought it, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't as attached to it as I am. The the more that I start to understand maybe the dynamics of like who people are, like I'm also a big Housewives and Bravo fan. Oh, okay. I know the Shaws of Sunset. I know Kevin. Like, it's really interesting seeing them turn on like a different, like that gamer mentality and I'm loved, loving seeing my gamers kind of try to pivot into a new game. So it's been it's been fun. I'm I'm loving it. And, and how do you think you would fit in with this cast? I think that I would be. I'm so terrible at like. So we play this actually when we're on the challenge. We play because there's so much downtime. We play like a variation of this, like Ultimate Werewolf is what it's called, or there's also one with like regular playing cards. So. I, if I'm ever a trader, I get told, found out right away. I have no poker face. I think I've played with you actually. Yeah. I feel like that we in PG would do like streams, right? Like, uh, I don't know. Was it like, I think it was secret Hitler maybe. Yes. But it's sort of all the same thing. Just played on a grander scale. And, um, I traditionally really suck at it. Even if I'm a faithful, nobody believes me. And if I'm a trader, everybody exposes me. So I don't think this is my game. So you're saying it's not your game, but but if they if that phone rings, would you would you go to this castle? Would you partake? Lord knows I have any opportunity to live in a castle. Right. I'll mm-hmm. say yes. You know. Love. Yeah. That. Why not? Right. Why not? I, I'll live out my outlander fantasy, you know, me <laughs> in the Scottish Highlands. Yeah. And the challenges are very challenge reminiscent. So I feel like I would do okay in that aspect. And I think you'd be like uniquely situated, much like in the Challenge USA, where you are going to know the survivor people and you're going to know the challenge people probably. Yeah, I've definitely heard. As long as it's not challenge people you're feuding with. I mean, there's a long list of that. (laughs) Um, But it does feel like maybe to some degree, this is like a... uh, you know, you can build a lot of bridges here. We see CT and Trishel haven't necessarily, yeah. you know, they have a history, Parv and Sandra, and you kind of have to almost sometimes, well, Janelle and Dan are baby, but mm-hmm. it could be something that connects the, you know, by idea of enemies, but. Yeah. Michelle, how about Big Brother? Do you ever watch Big Brother? I do not. Um, I have... A lot of friends who have been on it, so I'm definitely privy to gameplay, mm-hmm. game style. So I know Janelle and Dan both have reputations. So I'm 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 seeing that play out definitely. They're they're playing hard. They're gamers, those two. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit, what do you think is gonna happen next? Dan's fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't even know how else to say it. Um I'm worried for him. I really am. And I, I'm curious. I feel that because he's such an intense gamer, there is an option that he might sell out one of his fellow traders. I think there's a very real possibility of that, but how somebody like Phaedra or poverty would navigate him calling them out if he chooses to could be more detrimental than beneficial to him. I think if you're looking at it and 
you call out Phaedra, she has, I think she would just burn the whole place down with it. I think she'd be like, yes, you know what I am. If I am, you are too. Like she was already willing to kind of threaten Parv back a few episodes ago. I think we see that she may not be the person to fuck with. And I don't think Parv will go down easily either. So if he chooses that route, danger. If he doesn't choose that route, danger. So Dan's fucked. Yeah, I really do think that because a lot of people are, you know, out there with their theories that this is Dan's move to really throw one of the traders under the bus and then claim, listen, I said it when I when I hit, I don't miss. I'm waiting for the good read. I think not enough people are talking about. Yeah, but he has to go back to the turret if he survives the round table, and especially if he's thrown one of them under the bus. If they're still there, if he's still there, drama. If one of them isn't there, the other one is like, well, now I can't trust Dan. He just threw one of us under the bus. I really think the Scorched Earth gameplay might be the last game in his card, but it's going to be a tough game to play. Like, I just don't see him surviving two roundtables, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think I don't see a way out for him. Um, even if he temporarily squeezes out of it, I think the trust for Dan is going to be gone by both the faithfuls and the traders. I do think that the reason why, I mean, obviously Phaedra is a little bit more under the radar. People are looking at Parv and CT. So, um, but I think he's closer with Parv. I think he's playing a closer game with her. So I would be interested to see which one of the two he would throw under the bus if he does choose to do that or CT he could go for, which is a faithful, but also has a lot of hate, uh, hate on him, which might be his cleanest option. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tricky. Michelle, can you talk a little bit about how Parvati is doing from your perspective? Uh, it's, it, I mean, everybody pretty much suspects her. So they're not really like letting her in the loop on a lot of things, right? Like we see Pilot P talking about how he's only leaked that information to like three people and two of those three people are traitors. So I think that there is enough suspicion on her. I think based on who she is as a person, her history, I think Sandra kind of falls into that same bucket that nobody's going to fully trust Sandra just because of who she is and her survivor legend status. So I think it's kind of like her own history is kind of working against her. Plus the fact that she just kind of gives off sort of a sneaky vibe yet nobody's targeting her continuously. So um, I don't know. I think she's playing a great game for what she's working with, which is like coming in with a big reputation. We got a question from Abby Flyer, who asked you, Michelle, you have experience playing on a tribe with Parvati. What does her social game look like for the perspective of somebody playing with her? How does she make people feel comfortable enough to trust her? Is there anyone this season that you think will be immune to Parvati's charm? I think what she does really well is she does like the co-conspirator sort of thing. Yeah. She's like, me and you, we're in this together. There's a lot of giggles, a lot of like subtle shade at other people that kind of like, you're like, you know, you feel like kind of a schoolgirl sort of vibe. I think with the men, it might be a little bit different where she um, maybe will flirt with them or whatever, but we're not really seeing that version of Parv here. We're seeing a much more serious version. Definitely feels more grown up in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think I... I, I loved I loved playing with Parv. Big, I was a huge fan. So as, as soon as she was like, "Come on and work with me, Michelle," I was like, "Please, thank you. Let's gossip. Let's talk girl talk." So I think it just depends. I think a lot of people will be immune to it though on this season. I think she's not coming in with the same. I think she, she's not really coming in with the same people who like idolize her the way mm -hmm. the survivors do. Yeah. Yeah, usually I feel like that um, she is like typically like at the center of like a bigger group um, and she's kind of had to be like she has like Dan, but it doesn't really seem like she has a lot of people here. Do you think like you don't think that to some degree she does have Sandra? Like, I think that, of course, she did say like, oh, Sandra's don't, we can only trust her as far as we throw her. But Phaedra probably should have put in Sandra. I think that. I think that she's kind of protecting her to a degree or no, you don't think that at all. Um, no, I, I, I that is Parvati protecting Sandra or Sandra protecting Parvati. I think both. Yeah. 
I, I subscribe to this 100%, Michelle, because I feel like when we talk about the game, obviously the best strategy for a faithful is to, again, pick a trader, figure out a trader and then hold on to them all the way to the end because then you can vote them out at the very end to win. And I feel like you can't help but metagame in there is my assumption. So you come in as one of two survivors. You're not a faith. You're not a trader. All right, Parv's probably a trader, but I need to work with Parv. And I think for Parv, it's, I don't know a lot of these people. If I'm good with Sandra and I do feel like when they had that meeting with uh, Peppermint as the mediator, it really felt like they let bygones be bygones, which is why I don't think Sandra, even if she for sure knows Parv is bad, is going to bring her name up because that's my ticket to the end. That's my ticket to beat at the end. And I need her. And with Parv, for as long as Sandra's not going to throw her name out, I don't think she has any reason to get rid no. of uh, Sandra. Yeah, I just think it's such a like dangerous game to play because if you're poverty and you even like throw out Sandra's name, if you even, like like try to get it at all onto Sandra, she's coming back so hard on poverty. Every fence, yeah, every she will lay out every move. Like Sandra will expose the fuck out of Parv, and Parv isn't. I feel like she's not going to play with that because she knows. So I think they're kind of like tiptoeing around the fact that they both know maybe what the other is. And they're using, I think using it as shields, like Sandra's a huge threat. And as long as Parv is in the game, that takes some of the heat off Sandra and sort of vice versa. So I feel like they're recognizing that whether it's intentional and whether it will last much longer yet to be seen, but Dan and Janelle blowing up as that same sort of dynamic duo um, really put is really now putting him in a bad situation. I think Parvel will realize that if she does that with Sandra, it would it would kind of mirror that. So, yeah, I don't know. Michelle, when you mentioned all the people that you've played with uh, who are on this season, uh, Bananas was on that list. Uh, he gets taken out early. That uh, Was it a good move for the traders to take Bananas out at the first opportunity? I was gutted to see Bananas go. He's a good friend of mine, and... The thing that he does really well is bring, yes, he's loud and outrageous, but he, he brings forward a level of like directness that I think he adds a lot of humor. And also like, you know, I think in the first episode we see people bantering and he's like, so you're saying she's a traitor. Like he kind of like, people can kind of pussyfoot around what they're trying to do. And he, he, he is enough, has enough seniority in this reality TV world to understand what sound bites the production producers might need in order for that to like fill the gap. So I think from like a production standpoint, having him in the game longer would have been better. I think also, obviously we see in the challenges, having somebody with a little bit of seniority would be better as well. But um, yeah, so I felt I was very sad to see him go. I wouldn't have voted him out that early. Cause I think he would have, he would have made his own bed at some point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he just has like one of those personalities and it feels like, you know, Janelle is like this too, of like that direct approach. And we love it for television. It's so good. But I feel like that eventually that the faithful just like, that's very suspicious that you're talking like that. Like, why are you talking so out in the open about things and throwing names out? And I feel like they get banished no matter what anyway. Yeah, I was talking to somebody else about it, though, and they had mentioned like, you know, he is playing the game with him. He does have really good reads on people. He's been doing this for a very long time. And so he is somebody out of all of all of this cast that I feel like would potentially be able to sniff out a liar quickly. So, and, and he's, he'll whistleblow, like he will make sure that everybody knows it if he believes something. So I guess that's a bit of a liability, but I do think I would have, I think the, the game, the beginning of the game, gaining traction would have been a little bit better if he lasted longer. We didn't get to see his star shine as bright as I would have hoped. I yeah. feel like he's on my shortlist ballot for someone who could get the Kate treatment for season three, where he skips the first couple. They don't put him in the game and then they inject him by round table four. And I feel like he's someone who I agree with you, Michelle has a flair for the dramatics and is very fun at a round table, which I think that's how you get him there and give him the opportunity. Now it would be a lot to deal with if they give him this and he makes it there. And then he's the first one murdered that night, but let's, let's see what happens, yeah. but he's on my shortlist firmly. I do think that they feel like they could get more from him that they didn't get a chance to. Yeah. 
It's just interesting, this style of play, though, that we're talking about, because that back when they named the names for this cast, that Boston Rob was supposed to be like allegedly was one of the names, which was probably wrong because he's doing the deal or no deal island. But like when we're talking about like how Johnny Bananas plays, I wonder if this would actually be a bad fit for him, like that same sort of like attitude that's like. Hey, everybody, dump your bags out. Let's show who has the idol. Like, I kind of feel like that's just not received well by the faithful. I think that, yes. And I, you know, there's a lot of talk when I transition over to the challenge about how survivor people play. And they, the challenge people play, they, they respect and honor directness. Yes. And they don't like like the deception snaky sort of gameplay. And that's literally what the core of this is. So I do think he would have a little bit of uh, trouble kind of adapting to that because exactly what he doesn't like about the survivor people is what makes them really good at this game. Yeah. And so, yeah, he probably, it probably isn't the right fit for him. Yeah. I love to see him play anything that he's on house of villains. Perfect yeah. for him. But it's also why, like, like yes, yeah, Sari was, like, such a good fit for this because of, like, the way that, that she plays the game. And so we got a question about this um, where uh, this is a question uh, from uh, Michael Block Talk uh, said that are challengers or survivors better fits to play on the traders? Uh, who would you like to see on the show in future seasons? Uh, well, I think CT is doing a really good job for, you know, a challenger. Yeah. I think that he... What he's done really well is he's kind of minimized his threat level. He's a big guy. He's won a lot of seasons. And yet we're seeing him kind of be the goofiest version of himself that he's ever been. He's notoriously known to be sort of like a hothead. And instead, we're seeing him goofing around. There's memes of him running, you know, with his arms (laughs) in the air. He's kind of adopted a relationship with Phaedra. So, like, I think he's done a good job of, like, changing that like, like the thing that Johnny, I think would have a hard time changing is that like challenge blood that's running through his veins. I think that CT is doing a good job of like adapting, but let's, let's be real. All of this, all of them are really big threats, way more than a housewife or a Bravo person or whatever. Anybody who's played in a competition game is going to be a bigger threat. All of them are big targets. So, but I, I think all of the survivors and CT are playing a great game. Mm-hmm. What about that difference of playing Survivor versus playing the challenge and uh, the skill sets needed for the traders? I think for sure Survivor is more equipped for that sort of like outside of the box thinking, how you create alliances, how those alliances shift, knowing when to like sort of the challenge, like you have, you pick your people and you have to ride with them like to the death. Whereas Survivor, the way the game is played is you're you're kind of in and out of alliances. You're kind of weaving your way through as you're noticing people get a little bit of heat on them or whatever it is. So it's a much more, uh, you have to be much more adaptable in that, in that style of gameplay. And I think the Traders has a similar dynamic. I think you'd be really good at it, Michelle. You know, I don't want to put the jinx on you, but... <laughs> I'd yeah, be really good at it. I think if you've played, you've played that game with me, Secret Hiller or whatever, and it really scarred me for life because I was so bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like still memes that float around from that. So, yeah, I I would love to play, but I don't think I'd be very good. But I would try. Yeah, um, we got a question from uh, Mama Kim said uh, that Dan said that the round table was harder than any big brother moment. Uh, he looked like he was struggling given the different show structures. Do you think that survivor players have an advantage dealing with head on questions and conflict, giving answers on the spot without prep seems to be a weakness of his. And do you think that maybe that's from like tribal council? Is that similar to what goes on in the round table where there really is no version of that in big brother? Yes. And interestingly, there is also that in the challenge. So I've seen so many people dig their own grave, put in those high pressure situations where you're really being asked like directly questions. And the thing is, is that sometimes what you don't say, like a lot of times what you don't say is more important than what you do. It's about how do you take that direct question, answer it just enough, and then 
kind of swivel the question or conversation around so that it goes on to somebody else. And so, and then you let them sort of dig their own grave. How do you give them the shovel so that they're the ones digging their grave? And I think that Survivor definitely preps you for that. And I think that the challenge does as well. Um, Dan is playing like too quiet is what we're realizing. And that might work in Big Brother, but he, he needs to read the room and recognize that like him saying too quiet is a, with this group of very loud people is putting a target on him. He needs to, you know, like be adaptable, read the room. So I feel like he's, you know, that's why he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like with big brother, the, just the simple fact that there's only two people that are under fire with nominations and that is locked by Monday. And then for four days, they don't got to do anything. They can do the little campaigning on the side, but there's no public moment where you're in this big meeting and you're having to like put your cards on the table. There's none of that. So I feel like combine that with the fact that most of these seasons are like 65 to a hundred days, depending on what the producers have decided to do. That is way too slower of a burn, whereas this is fast, fast, fast. Like, I really think new era Survivor players who are even getting a smaller time span of 20 oh. days, I think they're going to cook with fire if they're ever put on this show. I think this the quick turnaround, the public talking, the working fast, hating the ground running, I think that comes into play a lot. And, you know, Dan is playing the, the game will come to me. It's like, dude, the game might run over you before you get a chance to have it come to you. Yeah. And I think that it was interesting. We I just did USA with a bunch of survivors, Big Brother challengers, seeing the different style of gameplays. I felt that the Big Brother people were struggling the most because of that, how quick mm-hmm. it was, how sh- and how stressful it is when the game is moving that quickly because you barely have recovery time to catch your breath before there's another emotionally turbulent fire that you have to put out so i always felt that the game was moving a little bit too fast for them and they were always kind of running and struggling to catch up um i think their strategic chops are clearly there but it's about the pacing i i do agree with you can we talk a little bit more about sandra how do you feel like uh she has done so far i think she's kind of she's doing great she's playing under the radar oh well is she is she doing great i mean i uh, I'm so biased when it comes to that. Listen, she's clearly working with the traders, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yes. And I think she has enough of a read on people to know what's what. So, but the fact that she's, I don't know. I, I mean, she's in a tough situation. I was shocked that she wasn't a trader. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because you have all these reality contestants and you think that they'd all be good at being the trader. But I kind of feel like that Sandra has really like uh, been in, like in her element here. Uh, one, like it's great. There's no challenges. So she doesn't have to do that. But she's able to like she's got like a really good social game for this. And I feel like that this is like that really the epitome of traders is the Sandra game of just like, uh, like how do I get through today? Anybody but me can go home yeah. tonight. That's yeah. fine. And nobody is looking for her. And the, the one person that I went back and forth with Janelle, um, but Janelle just went home. Yeah. I, I do think it is interesting because when they talk about who the traders are, most of the time she's actually not lumped into that. And yet the traders aren't really looking at her either. She's kind of just, despite being a two-time winner, just kind of floating on by through yeah. it. So, I, I mean, I think I think, I think think all my Survivor people are doing great. And I'm proud of them. Yeah. And I think that CT is an under-the-radar uh, pick to go very far in the game, too. I agree. 100%. Yeah. I think the two of them are playing the best faithful games right now because they're so clearly... You know, when they're accused, I'm loving what I'm getting from CTC. He's getting accused and he's kind of he's managing it perfectly. He's not too vocal about it. He's not holding on to it too much. And I feel like he's garnered some sympathy for constantly being thrown under the bus. Whilst also both of them, I think, are accumulating some good numbers outside of this, quote, gamers alliance. Right. We, we talked about how Sandra and Parv have this connection. CT has had this connection with them. But we've seen Sandra recruit Bergie and make Bergie one of her own. We've seen Phaedra take in CT. And I think they're playing a good job of, again, getting all these numbers where, yeah, don't matter if anyone else leaves. I have plenty of other options to go with later on into the game. So I'm actually very curious to see how the two of them do moving forward. And it would be very funny if one of them gets recruited, because I would argue that 
they're right now in the better spot than they would be as a trader. That'd be fun for us anyway. Yeah. But I also have to give another kind of MVP award to Pilot P in this episode because, I mean, as much as CT and um, who else did you say was playing a great game? Sandra playing a great game. Yeah. I expected this bachelor to come in and totally just be a sweetheart, not really playing. He's playing. He's very clearly trusted by the faithfuls to lead this charge to kind of hide who has the... He's able to pick out who needs to have the information of who has the shield, loops in the right people, targets the right people. And you can't be the bachelor unless you're a little shady. Right, Michelle? I mean, I think all men are shady. Where's the lie? You know what? I think it is more so is that I think that to be the bachelor, like you have to have a fairly good read on like uh, emotional like, and there's uh, stuff you're telling her, but you're not going to tell her. Like, yeah. yeah. But he's playing great. He's more If you're on The Bachelor, if you're like one of the women or on The Bachelor, you're one of the men. You don't have to play a shady game. But yeah, I think you got to be a little shady to be The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Hot take. I love it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Michelle, I don't know. Have, have you weighed in on this? Okay. So this was uh, from a little while back of that. Of course, when Korong was streaming on Netflix that you had a, a very famous fan of your game um, that Tom Holland had said on a podcast about how he was very impressed with your gameplay by the end of the last few episodes. I'm like, Michelle's gameplay there is off the charts. I was so into it. So I'm excited to start a new season of that uh, with my brother. Have you weighed in on this? I was filming USA two when this had happened so I wasn't there for like the live momentum of the moment. And it was a little awkward, like months later, maybe I saw that podcast that you did, <laughs> like really delayed, but um, I'm allowed to get weekly calls with my sister. And I'm like, Hey, what's, what's been going on at home? She's like, you're never going to believe this. It, production told me that I can't tell you, but if I say it really quick, then they can't, they can't do anything. So she's like, Tom Hall did a podcast about you. And the production's like, we're going to cut you off. No more phone calls to your sister. <laughs> like they're so mad, but I swear I went around the house. It's the thing that kept me going in USA too. I was like, Tom Holland knows who I am. So even if I'm going home, I have that to hang my hat on. And I was like, maybe Zendaya knows. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, I think that's like the happiest I've ever been. Honestly, <laughs> the happiest you've ever been. Wow. I think it, it was, it was like winning survivor. Tom Holland knows who I am. He's Spider-Man dude. Spider-Man, Spider-Man loves your game. That's it. I know. Yeah. Uh, do you think it could be like a White Lotus situation where that maybe you might be invited to be in one of the future Spider-Man movies? If all goes right in the world, yes. <laughs> you know, I have to film Traders 3 first and then, yes. and then we'll start talking about the Spider-Man sequels, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. Anything else for Michelle? No, this was an absolute delight. I'm so glad you were able to take time off your busy schedule to talk with us. And I do appreciate it. Same, guys. This was so fun. It was so unexpected. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't make sense because I played with all of these people. And I'm such a fan of any type of gameplay. And um, it's just fun. It's been a great season. So I can't wait to see what happens next. Sorry, Dan. Good luck to you. <laughs> Good, luck. <laughs> Good luck. Okay, uh, Michelle, anything you want to tell people to check out that you're doing? You know, I'm still every Wednesday on your screens, 8 p.m. Oh, on my God. Calendar. 10 months straight, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Forever. Just yeah. Eternally grinding out there. The, the, the Challenge calendar. 39 started like when this last season of Survivor that's over started, right? It started like right at the same time. Yeah. So I left April 7th for the first season of USA 2, filmed all that, came home for a week, saw Taylor Swift, got all the tea on Tom Holland, made sure to slide into his DMs, <laughs> went to film the next show. And almost immediately when I got home from that, the USA 2 started airing, that ended and then this started airing. So it's really been like kind of nonstop going. Um, yeah. So yeah, and now people are getting spammed with me as well on traders content. So it's like, <laughs> this they, is not they, spam, Michelle. They can't, no. You can't get rid of me as much as people are trying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for making some time to talk uh, traders with us here today. I'm sure everybody appreciates it.
Guys, thank you so much. Always so fun. And yeah. I'll see you on my next, you know, interview. When- <laughs> someday, someday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, don't run yourself into the ground. You know. Take some time I don't off. Know, I don't know any other way to live besides mel- having meltdowns, running myself into the ground. You know, I do my best work when I'm in shambles. Okay. All right. Well, it's great to have you uh, here with us for a little bit. Puya and I are going to have an exit interview with Janelle coming up uh, in a little bit on Monday. And then on Thursday, we'll be back together for another live recap of the traders coming up on Thursday night. Puya, what's next for you? Well, I also have Traders UK finale coverage coming in. Myself and Annabelle are getting together today on Monday to talk that all out. It was a very fun finale. I can't stress this enough. You're a fan of Traders, Traders UK season two. Watch it. It was so good. Um, also, 90 Day Fiance coming up this week. Got to record that. Got to get on the Hot Mess Express. And of course, if you're looking for me when I'm not podcasting, twitch.tv slash Puya and Twitter at Puyaism. All right. And then, of course, uh, make sure you subscribe for all of our trader stuff. And then as the uh, calendar approaches the end of February, it's going to be a new batch of survivors, Michelle, coming up around the corner. Make sure you keep it tuned here. Make sure you subscribe to find everything that's going on with that. Robinswebsite.com slash subscribe. Thank you for joining us. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.